Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Good morning, Exchange Church. How are you today? It is true. It is once a year in Dallas where we get a snow and everything shuts down because we don't know what to do. Because I think to myself, you know, there's states like Minnesota, Wisconsin, they get snow all the time, but they've got a plan. They're, they're on it, but when we have one day of ice and snow, school gets shut down, kids are singing praises to Jesus for that purpose, and it's funny, as I came in, it seemed like that was the same case here, that you had school closings and all that, and anyway, it's, it's wonderful to be here, and I do believe that you are stepping into your best days as Northern Ireland. I'm actually here to give a word specifically to the territory because the scripture in Zechariah 10 verse 1 says this, ask for rain in the time of rain. And I know I'm actually on assignment from America to come here and simply let you know it's raining in the spirits. God is pouring out his spirit right now. And I'm here to let you know I'm an eyewitness of the activity of God right now now taking place in our nation. And the good news is if God can do it in America, he can do it here. Furthermore, I believe there is a spiritual link between our nations. You have poured into us, and I recognize the British Isles as the land of revival. I recognize your territory as a land that we have received deeply from. And I think of the 1857, 1858, 1859 period of time that you experienced great revival. And do you know that that actually marks the history books? Every revival history book I have talks about the Ulster revival or the Ulster awakening. And then the Lord gave me a phrase yesterday as I was ministering, who knows if once again if you are on the hinge of history. I don't say that to hype you or to excite you. I actually state, I, I make that statement as a statement of fact. I sense that we're there. I think anybody with ears to hear what the Lord is saying and doing, you sense that God is on the move. Amen? Well, very quickly before I get into the Word, I do have a book out there. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have any kind of contemporary modern technology to take credit cards. I brought my little square reader thing over, and it was not compatible with UK currency. So there you go. But I do take pounds. So it's 15 pounds. I have a book, Pentecostal Fire. Now, the Lord gave me a word back in 2021, and he said, Larry, I'm reintroducing my church to Pentecostal Fire. Well, what does that mean, Pentecostal? Well, I think of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out in such a dynamic, powerful way and talk about something that not only marked the 120 people who were in the upper room, but what I love about that is they were touched, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spilled out of that upper room, and they were called to people who turned the world upside down. But the reality is this. The folks out there who don't know Jesus yet, they need a church that's burning they need a church on fire with the Holy Spirit. And I believe what you're going to see in the days ahead, even yesterday as I was here, I see this building even as an upper room. I mean, you are on the second floor, so it is an upper room. But I see God moving in this space. So get ready. Get ready for some suddenlies of God where you'll be in the middle of what you would consider an average normal service, and you'll sense the stirring of the Holy Spirit. And don't ignore that. I don't believe you will. You have such pure, precious hearts. I've just gotten to know your pastors the last couple of days. But I want to encourage you, when the Spirit moves, pivot and go in that direction. And guess what? You can still preach. We can still do announcement. We can still do all of those things. He just might rearrange things a little bit. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to get into the Word, because the Lord's focusing very specifically on a portion of Scripture that I think He wants to release. So, Father, I thank You for Your presence here. Before I even go into the Scriptures, I just want to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, God, we just say, and if I, I encourage you, if, if it's okay, would you just stretch out your hands and say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Yeah, oh, that's it. He's here. 
He's here. We don't know. Just, just keep your hands up. God, we don't need to pull you out of the heavens. You are here. We thank you for the everything that Jesus died for, we get to taste of right now. Everything that Jesus died for. And I thank you, Lord, Jesus died so that we could be indwelt and we could be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you're in this room. I don't need to shout to bring you here. I don't need to beg or barter with you to bring you here. You are here. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, every time you move, you give Jesus great glory. Every time you heal a body, Jesus gets great glory. And even right now, pour out your healing oil on those who need physical healing in their bodies, that Jesus would receive great glory. I declare even now, over those struggling with any manner of addiction, the Lord says, offer it up to me. Offer it up to me. Because the scripture said this, offer up your life, offer up your body as a living sacrifice. And the good news is that when you do that, when you offer up the things that you're struggling with, he is not there to come and turn you away. He's actually there to release his purifying, refining fire on you to actually burn. I feel like the Lord right now is actually burning up desire for things that have caused addiction. He's burning up desire for sin. Huh. We don't repent from sin because God comes to us in some angry way. Do you know why we repent? It's the goodness and the kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. The scripture tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, right now, just these few moments, I pray that people would taste of your presence in such a powerful way that sin loses its appetite. (laughs) Woo, I feel that. That we would lose taste and desire for lesser things because we have tasted of the presence of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. And I do pray this, Isaiah 64, 1. Would you rend the heavens, Lord? Would you tear open the heavens and come down, Lord? I thank you that you are real, that you are not a concept, you're not a theology, you're not an idea. You are the real and living God who tears open the heavens. You come down and you move with power. We've seen it. I'm seeing it right now. And I believe not only will we see your move and revival fire again in this nation, but I thank you that you're coming with increase. I thank you that you're coming with greater intensity. I thank you, Father God, for greater works, Lord. And that once again, the conversation in the streets of Northern Ireland will be about matters of the Spirit. God, I just think, wow, just, just a moment more. I'm, I'm just reminded of the history of this territory and the revivals that took place. And as a result of that, one of the commentaries about the revival talked about how the people could not abstain from speaking about manners of the Spirit. They could, not, they could not hold back from talking about heaven and the glory of the gospel and what God was doing in the soul. Lord, let that be the conversation in the cafe. Let that be the conversation in the restaurant. Let that be the conversation in the streets, Lord. Because you are moving in such an undeniable manner. Lord, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open to Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm calling this message, Revival According to Isaiah 6. Revival according to Isaiah 6. All right, here we go. We're going to open up all my stuff here. So while you open your Bibles, I will get prepared. All right. Now, I'm reading from the ESV, which is the extra spiritual version. So if you have that, that's that's fantastic. Uh, no, I just... I think this is one of the most reputable translations, but I also like NASB, NIV. There's a lot of good ones. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. And I'm just going to go through it verse by verse, but I love what Isaiah says. I saw the Lord. We need a generation that once again would see the Lord. See the Lord. He is a real person who sits on a real throne in heaven. 
And I'm so grateful that God actually gives us the opportunity to encounter him, to know him, to meet him. He's a real person. You did not get born again so you could know an idea, a concept, or a theology. You got born again, you came to Jesus, and guess what? You got a person living inside of you, and his name is Holy Spirit. And there's a real person who sits on a real throne in heaven. That's God the Father. And there's a real man with real scars in his hands. That's Jesus. He's a real person. I saw the Lord. In other words, I saw a real person. You can't see an idea. You can't see a theology. You can't see a concept, but you can see a person. And I pray even now that your hunger would be provoked to see the Lord. He is the sovereign God who reveals himself in whichever way he wants. I can't manufacture an encounter with God, but my hunger can pull me into an encounter that he sets up. I believe God's setting you up. I believe the Lord is setting you up, and your desire should be, God, however you want to draw near to me, let it be done. Because sometimes in a revival meeting, what I'll see is people will see the Lord, and people will get touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you have some unusual phenomenon that takes place. You have people who tremble or weep or cry or lay face down, whatever, and then the person sitting next to them will have tears coming down their face, being genuinely, legitimately touched by the Lord, but they'll see somebody who's having a different response and think to themselves, well, that's not happening to me, so maybe what I'm experiencing is not legitimate. Can I just let you know, God encounters us individually. So be of good cheer today, because I believe at the end, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask that the Lord would draw near to you. I can't manufacture that. Listen, I don't want hype. I don't want something that we try to muster up, but I believe in these days of revival, in these days of outpouring, the Lord is drawing near. He is moving close, and my encouragement is just to receive the Holy Spirit's touch however he is ministering to you, because there's two things about that you need to know. To try to manufacture or work up a touch of God is operating in the flesh. It is. If I were to line you all up and bop you on the head or something like that, that's operating in the flesh and trying to make something happen. But did you know this? Equally in the flesh is resisting the move of the Holy Spirit. So if the tears start coming, if you start to tremble or shake, if you have the provocation to get on your knees before the Lord, if the Lord is leading you to do any of those things, we don't want to resist that either. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's in the flesh to make it up. It's equally in the flesh to resist the, what the Holy Spirit's doing. So, Lord, we say we want to see you today, however you desire to reveal and unveil yourself. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. When you actually study that in the Hebrew, that speaks of this encounter that the prophet Isaiah had where he saw the Lord seated on the throne high and lifted up. And it talks about God's throne filling the temple. And in the Hebrew, the language for, for, for filling implies that God stepped into the temple, but because God is so big, his entry never stopped. In other words, God was in the temple and the train of his robe filled the temple, and it kept coming in. It just kept coming. Why? He's God, and there's always more. There is an infinite amount of God because he is God Almighty. It's not like God could come into this room here in the exchange and fill this room. He can't fill, this room can't contain God. Even the heavenly temple that we read about in Isaiah 6 cannot contain God. God is the only one who can come into a building, and there's no end of him to fill it. I love that. I know there's part of the train filling the temple, the train of his robe that speaks of conquest and victory, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to highlight the part and the dimension that God, when he fills a place, he comes in and he, kept, he, he keeps coming. And I pray even right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and keep coming? Come and keep coming. Move and keep moving, Lord. We will host your presence. You are welcome here. The first point here from Isaiah 6, 1 is this, is that Isaiah had entered, number one, a climate of holiness. 
we're going to read in just a moment, what he actually sees and hears, a climate of holiness. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to one another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled, once again filled, with smoke. When you have an encounter with God, you literally enter what we call a climate of holiness. Because that is the song day after day, night after night, they sing in the heavens around the throne. Why? It's not because they don't have any new lyrics. They say holy, 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 because literally that means God you are set apart. You are unlike anyone, anything. Every time they catch a fresh glimpse of God Almighty, the only accurate word to describe what they see is holy. Would you just lift your hand right now and say, holy, Lord. Wow. Holy. Just stay in that a minute. God, you're holy. Holy, holy. Did you know, yeah, yeah, just keep your hands up for a moment because I want us to worship him. Just where you're seated, God, you're holy. And did you know when you're actually saying or singing that, you're coming into agreement with an eternal song. You're stepping in sync with the activity of the angels and the creatures and all of those around the throne. Holy, holy, holy. God, you are unlike anyone. You are unlike anything. Give us eyes to see you, Lord. And I thank you even right now as we recognize your holiness, that it is a climate of holiness, Lord. You come into this room and you meet us in your holiness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We thank you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. They've never upgraded the song. They've never changed the lyrics because that's the only thing that can really rightly describe the one seated upon the throne. Unlike anyone and unlike anything is our God. The climate of holiness. Number two, this is what happens when you experience that climate of holiness. When you have that encounter with God like Isaiah did, when you see the Lord. Going on to the next verse, verse 5. Isaiah 6, verse 5, and Isaiah the prophet says, Woe is me, for I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you know what happens in that climate of holiness when you see the Lord? Conviction. True conviction. And I'm going to say it again. And I love that this is a church that is so built on the gospel of grace because true conviction is never someone preaching from a pulpit with an angry finger saying, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and you're just a mean old sinner. You know what conviction is? Is when somebody has an encounter with the holy God and in that atmosphere. This is Isaiah the prophet, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And Isaiah the prophet in the atmosphere of the holiness of God recognized, I'm a man of unclean lips. He was convicted not because somebody was trying to manufacture conviction in his life. He was convicted because he was in the presence of the Lord. And that's my prayer for you, not just in a church service, but when you are spending time with the Lord and his presence fills wherever you meet with him, whether it's in your bedroom or your office or on a walk, the spirit of God would fill that moment. And if there are any areas in your life of sin that the Holy Spirit would convict you, because it's Holy Spirit who does that job. And I've got good news for you. Anytime the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin or points out an area where he says, hey, listen, in this particular area, you are living beneath the victory and the breakthrough I want you to walk in. It's only because that area of sin, when that is highlighted and you repent, and as we give that to the Lord, he wants to increase in your life. He wants to rest upon you in a greater way. For example... 
How many of you know that when we get born again, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us? He indwells us. He converts us. He regenerates us. But I don't want to stop there. I am so grateful that he lives inside of me. I'm grateful that he is my down payment and guarantee of heaven. But I think of people, revivalists like John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth, you look at them in the pages of history, and these were ordinary people. Smith Wigglesworth was actually an illiterate plumber, and he actually learned how to read by reading the Bible. These are very normal people. Trust me, when you study the great heroes of revival, a lot of them were deeply flawed, men and women. But you know what I love about them and honor about them? They all recognize, I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me, but I don't want to stop there. I want to know how much of him can rest upon me. There is a difference. Bill Johnson says this, that the Spirit of God in you is for your sake, but the Holy Spirit upon you is for the sake of the people around you. We want to be a people so saturated with God. Listen, I read about Peter in the book of Acts, and it talks about how his shadow healed the sick. That should provoke you and I. I think of Paul, where it talks about he was so saturated in the presence of the Lord, Apostle Paul, not because he was the super special Apostle Paul, but because he was a man who pressed on to know God and he was saturated in the Spirit, that they would literally take bits of his clothing, the things that he wore every day while making tents, they would take pieces of his clothing and put it on the sick and demonized, and they would be healed. I'm impressed that Anointed clothing can bring healing. That's impressive. But do you know what's more impressive to me? That it's possible to be that saturated by the Holy Spirit. And you could easily say, well, that's Peter and Paul, Larry. It's true. But again, I referenced John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth. These are people 100, 120 years ago. Normal people who who said, Lord... I'm not going to settle with just going to heaven, and that's glorious, but while I'm here this side of heaven, while I'm here on the earth, because heaven's going to be wonderful, but while I'm still here, God, would you just saturate me with the climate of heaven? Would you saturate me so deeply, so thoroughly with the Holy Spirit that he doesn't just live inside of me, he spills out of my life? Let it be so, Lord, in this congregation, a congregation saturated in the Holy Spirit. And it's in that quest to be so filled with the Spirit where the Holy Spirit will highlight, as he did to Isaiah, listen, these are some areas that I'm calling you up in. That's how he works. That's how he sounds. He doesn't come with shame and condemnation. He actually, conviction brings us to new levels of the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So thank you, Lord, for that. So that's conviction. We are undone in his glory. I love that phrase from Isaiah. He says, woe is me, I am undone. Do you know what? That's what qualifies us to be used by God. I remember the Holy Spirit highlighting that portion of Scripture to me. He says, listen, so many people think... It's about the letters at the end of your name and the degrees that you have. And I'm grateful to have a degree, and I value education. But what qualifies you to be used by the Lord is being a person willing to be undone in the presence of God. Willing to say, Holy Spirit, would you just overshadow me and saturate my life? And that we never graduate from being undone by God. I never want to get comfortable with being undone in his presence. Moving on to the next verse, Isaiah 6, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And verse 7, and he touched my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. You know what happens in the presence of God is cleansing. But I've got good news. You have something infinitely better than a coal from the altar. We've got the blood of Jesus that we sang about today, which means there's always cleansing available. Let me give you just two theological dimensions here of the cleansing blood of Jesus. Number one, you are already cleansed. You are already forgiven, and you are already in right standing with God. 
Amen? I'm grateful that I don't need to work my way into the presence of God. I am just thankful that the blood of Jesus continually speaks thunderously over my life, saying, you, Larry, Exchange Church, you have access to the presence of God. It's already done. I'm already cleansed. But at the same time, there are t- I-, I believe there is a dimension where in his presence Listen, we go through everyday life, we have a conscience that is aware of when we make mistakes and all that type of thing. And you know what? The blood of Jesus not only cleanses us spiritually, but it cleanses our conscience. It cleanses our mind. In other words, that when we sin, when we make a mistake, when we do all that kind of stuff, we're already in right standing with God. But in his presence and because of his blood, that very blood cleanses us actively. It was not just a one-time thing. We have constant access to the continuous cleansing river of the blood of Jesus. And we say, Lord, would you just apply that to my mind? Would you remind me, God, that I am in right standing with you because of everything Jesus did? I thank you, Lord, there is cleansing in your presence. Verse 8 of Isaiah 6. And Isaiah says this, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Right after the cleansing, after Isaiah experienced that wonderful cleansing in the presence, the last dimension here was a commissioning. Here's what I believe the Lord wants to do in the days ahead. After we encounter his wonderful presence in the different dimensions we just reviewed, He wants to send us out because one of the promises, the key promise that I'm holding on to right now, well, let's, you know what, let's open that up because I think this is a great place for us to conclude and just see where the Lord wants to go. Acts chapter 2, let's open to Acts chapter 2, a very familiar portion of scripture, but honestly, it's a portion that I'm building my life on, building my ministry on for the days ahead. Acts 2, which is Peter citing Joel's prophecy. So Acts 2, verse 16. I'm going to start there. Peter is saying, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, that in the last days it shall be God declares. Now just stop right there because I love making a big deal out of this. If you want a stable end times prophecy that you can build your life on, I actually want to know what God himself declares about the end times. Not the latest, greatest New York Times best-selling book, not any of that. That's good. I'm grateful for our end times prophecy conferences. I think it's something we need to talk about. But when it comes to building a life, building a church, building a ministry, building a future, I don't want to build something on doctrines that we are debating. I don't want to build something on specifics that we are still speculating. All I know is this, Jesus is coming back. We can vote yes, we can vote no. It doesn't change. He is coming back. But here's the good news, is that this actually tells us what should we be focusing on in the last days? Because yes, there's going to be darkness and deep darkness. I understand that. I don't pretend that away, but in the middle of darkness, in the middle of shaking, there is a promise uttered from the mouth of God himself, and he says, in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not all charismatic Pentecostal Christians, not all folks coming together on Sunday sitting in church. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. What does that mean, Larry? Does that mean everybody is going to be saved? I believe God's heart and his desire is that all will be saved. Not all, obviously, will make that decision. But the good news is this. God's target and his objective is all flesh. Now, let me ask you a very simple question. Can all flesh fit in this building? No. All flesh can't even fit in the biggest convention center, biggest stadium, biggest arena on the planet. All flesh, every person can't fit there. But do you know how all flesh will experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Well, what we just read in Isaiah 6, somebody needs to go for them. Somebody needs to go to them. Well, Larry, does that mean I need to go be a missionary in a foreign country? 
Well, if the Lord's calling you to be a missionary, great. Otherwise, guess what? You have a mission field in whatever sphere of influence you go to. And here's, and I'm sure you've heard language like that before. But guess what? When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to university, when you go to school, I want you to walk into that place recognizing I carry the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to this place because the people in proximity to me, people particularly who don't know the Lord, they are part of God's desire. They are actually part of that all flesh prophecy. Does that make sense to you? When you show up in those places, you are bringing the outpouring of the Spirit that you carry into proximity to people who do not know God. And in turn, you are fulfilling that prophecy from the book of Joel in which God declared and God desired that all flesh would experience the outpouring of the Spirit. So you are an ambassador, and I actually believe today the Lord's going to commission you afresh. Nothing is going to necessarily change about where you go today or tomorrow, but you know what's going to change significantly? You're going to step into that place recognizing I carry the outpouring of the Spirit. Maybe you just never had that language before. It's language that the Lord gave to me, and now I carry that wherever I go. Am I mindful of that like I should be all the time? No, but the Holy Spirit will lovingly remind me, Larry, when you are in proximity to these people, when you're given an opportunity to be around this community of people, when you go to your job, when you go to your school, when you're around those relatives who really don't know the Lord, Guess what? You carry the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to them. And may I encourage you, even words that you speak that you might be tempted to write off and think, that's just a word of encouragement. That's just me being kind. That will actually carry anointing. That will carry the presence of God as you say things, as you represent Jesus among those people in those places. Never devalue anything you say or do because you are a person, you are a man or a woman saturated in the Holy Spirit. And that means anything that you say will carry his presence. Anything that you say that is provoked by his spirit. So never devalue those subtle nudges of the Holy Spirit. Because you are called to carry the outpouring. The outpouring of the Spirit, all flesh will not fit in this building. But you come to this building to be trained and sent out. You come here to be like Isaiah the prophet, to encounter God. And I believe in the days ahead, pastors, you're going to see people have deep encounters with God here. I'm prophesying that even right now over this entire stretch of street between your ministry and Rose and Kevin, your ministry. I believe this is going to become known. So I just said, you know, I prophesy only as I'm led by the Lord. But I believe the Lord would say to you that this is going to be a street recognized as a place where people come and encounter the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are deployed. They are dispatched and they are sent with fresh authority, fresh fire, and fresh revelation that, like Isaiah the prophet, I am a sent one. God is commissioning me. God is sending me. I even sense that people are going to become very well acquainted with even the heavenly realm here. I believe they're going to hear the angels. Not because we're being distracted by angels, but they are going to hear the songs and the sounds of heaven because this is a thin place. It's a thin place in the spirit. In other words, it's a place that's easy for people to encounter God. Why? Because you paid a price. Not because God has just sovereignly decided to take this street and say, you know what, I'm going to make this a real special place. Because you all have paid the price. How long, Penny and Andrew, you've been here 12 years? 14 years? 20 years? That's significant longevity in a territory. And furthermore, a word that the Lord gave me in November about the British Isles is that there is a battle specifically over real estate. I felt like the Holy Spirit said there is battle over real estate for ministers and ministries and churches in the British Isles so that when you do occupy a place like you do here, Rose and Kevin, like you have, that's significance. That's a sign that the Lord, oh, I feel this. The Lord has a stronghold here. I just want you to get that because so often we talk about the strongholds of the devil and darkness and all that, and I believe in that stuff, but the Lord has a stronghold here. I want you all to lift your hands right now and receive that. I believe this church, this street is a stronghold of the Lord. 
I announce that. I declare that in Jesus' name. And furthermore, as we finish up, yeah, let's just take a moment and pray into that. Father, I thank you that this is a street. Let's all stand together. I'm done with the sermon. I just want to pray and then we'll finish up. I actually believe people who don't know Jesus will walk down these streets. Yeah, you just need to lift your hands right now. If you're believing for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, if you're believing for a son or a daughter, if there are people in your school or your class who don't know Jesus, I believe this is highly relevant. This is going to be a stronghold of the presence of God, and I want to encourage you, bring your friends and family to one of these churches, because this street is a place where it is easy for people to encounter God. Father, I thank you that a price has been paid to create a resting place for the Holy Spirit here. And Father, while we're all standing before you, I just declare over my friends here, it is time for a fresh commissioning. It is time for you to carry the outpouring of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. Father, for those who are in some sort of vocational work, for those who get up and go to a job every day, I thank you they carry the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Just keep praying. I thank you, yeah, yeah, I thank you that no territory is off limits to the Holy Spirit. Father, I just declare right now a phrase that the Lord has been giving me, no one's safe from what God is doing. So Lord, I just thank you in Jesus' name. You're commissioning. You're commissioning our brothers and sisters. And I just want you to go into your places of work, your place of school, and recognize when you show up, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit shows up. It might be language maybe you never thought about. But when you show up, biblically, theologically, the outpouring of the Spirit is there. Why? Because he lives inside of you. Only one man has yet to come out of heaven, and that's Jesus. Jesus will split the sky and he'll return. We're not asking for the Holy Spirit to come out of the heavens again because he lives inside of you. Father, I thank you for that. That means your hands are filled with the fire of God. It means everything that Jesus commissioned you to do, you are well-equipped and able to do. You can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can cast out evil spirits. You can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I just declare even right now that no gift of the Spirit is off limits to you. Sometimes we teach, well, I have the gift of wisdom and you have the gift of knowledge. That's not an accurate presentation of the gifts of the Spirit. You have one Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, and you know what that means? At any moment. Would you just lift your hand and say, God, at any moment, use me. Would you say, at any moment, use me in any gift? Because you know what you're doing right now? You're painting a Holy Spirit target on your head, and it's a good one. Because, wow, I just feel like that. I actually feel like the Lord is saying, get ready, exchange church, because some of you who have maybe written yourselves off and said, you know what, God, you know, other people are used in healing, not me. You know what? You're going to become like those other people because the same hands that God uses to heal the sick in those other people, well, guess what? You have hands filled with the same Holy Spirit. I see some of you operating in strong discernment of spirits. What does that mean? I see even at work where you will recognize whether or not a deal is being motivated by pure intentions or by a demonic agenda because the Holy Spirit's going to give you supernatural discernment. Which, by the way, discernment of spirits is not, oh, I just discern that's a nice person. No, discernment of spirits is you actually know what's going on in the spirit realm. You know if that there is a dark force behind it or if it's integrity or if it's the Lord. So, Father, I thank you. What he's doing is he's uncapping the gifts right now. Because, Lord, in order for us to see the outpouring of the Spirit impact our sphere of influence, we need to spill out. Holy Spirit, you need to spill out of us, God. And one of the ways he does that is through the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. So, Father, right now, I just bless this church. And I just declare, God, gifts of prophecy be released. Words of knowledge be released. Words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, tongues, tongues with interpretation. God, let them be released in Jesus' name. All in their appropriate context, but God, I thank you that none of us would write ourselves off. 
for being used in any one of the gifts of the Spirit. Finishing up, just making sure the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything else to say. We just thank you for the wonderful presence of the Lord right now. (laughs) I thank you that you're commissioning this church, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you for that climate of holiness that we experienced in worship, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Father, thank you for true conviction of sin, not somebody angrily exposing our sin, but a good Father who's calling us up. Thank you for cleansing. Oh, I just thank you again for the cleansing blood of Jesus. I thank you that the blood has a voice, that the blood of Jesus has a voice in the heavenly realms. And anytime the accuser of the brethren comes to try to deceive us, the blood speaks. I thank you even right now over this company of people, your blood speaks. It says redeemed. It says reconciled. It says clean and holy and pure. And perhaps one of my favorite things that the blood says, it says, you are in right standing. Wow. Even as I said that, you know what the Lord is saying? Please don't just understand that as a doctrinal theological truth, being right standing with God. It means you can literally stand in the presence. Whoa. You can stand in the presence of a holy God where before Jesus, if you stood in his presence, you would be dissolved. You would be destroyed, not because God wanted to do that, but because our sin separated us so far from him, but now because of the blood and what the blood of Jesus speaks over you. It says, you are in right standing with God. So, Father, thank you for that cleansing. And finally, thank you for that commissioning. Thank you, Lord, for commissioning your people to be agents of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may that language burn in their spirit, recognizing whenever they show up in the sphere of influence you've put them, they show up there boldly saying, I'm carrying the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that all flesh would know, that all flesh would know and experience that great and wonderful promise we read about in the prophet Joel. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence. And thank you, Lord, for the glorious days ahead for the Church of Northern Ireland. For Belfast, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the day. This is the day, Father. This is the day we enter into your fullness. Father, you're pouring out your spirit across the earth. And your word says that when it's raining, when there's revival rain, we ask for rain. So, Lord, I come alongside my brothers and sisters in Belfast, and we say, God, we're asking for rain here. (laughs) In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Pastor Andrew, thank you, sir. Worship, guys. That's just a... Continue for a moment, and isn't it just so lovely to be in the presence of the Lord? Larry, thank you for bringing us his word this morning. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. Jesus, we pray in this place this morning as you have been lifted and magnified, Lord, that that deposit that's been made in all of our lives today. Father, we thank you that your word says you watch over that and it will bring about good fruit in our lives. I speak that over everyone this morning. I pray that the word that the Lord has put into your heart, that this week you would see it bear fruit. You would see it quickly bear fruit. I believe the Lord's accelerating that in your life. I just pray that over, I just get that sense over every life. You don't have to wait 
today is the day of the Lord's favor. You don't have to wait to experience and taste the goodness of God. He's here right now. Larry, can we just put our hands on Larry here, if you're beside him there? I just pray there's a, I just felt like a quickening over you, Larry. Like I, the word was sharpening. I felt the Lord was sharpening your spiritual senses in these days to be a voice that is going to encourage and call the church to believe for more and to speak in these days. And I believe the Lord has given you greater insight and greater clarity, greater sharpness. It's almost like uh, I just felt like a dial being turned up, you know, and uh, like, you know, in the olden days when you were tuning a TV and you'd turn the dial and the, and the picture would become clearer. I felt like that's what the Lord is, is doing in you. Actually, that the Lord in, in your heart and in your spirit, in that spiritual realm, he's turning the dial up in you so that you can see with more clarity what is going on in these days. And the Lord says, so, you know, be open for that because you're going to see things that you've never seen before. It's going to be clearer than what you've seen before. And it might freak you out, the Lord says, but don't be freaked out because it's just me turning up at this, this picture, this uh, of into 4K, you know, ultra UHD kind of clarity for you. And because the Lord says, as he is showing you things, as he is revealing things, then he's going to give you the word to speak into those moments, uh, to unlock and to bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. And so we speak over you and over your family. We speak protection and we speak love this morning. We speak provision over you guys. We pray for your your family here. You know, as you travel today, we pray for special grace on them uh, wherever they are this morning. And a a special grace, a special sense of being all being well with them, uh, even as dad is here ministering and blessing the church in Ireland. So Father, we thank you for Larry. We thank you for his ministry. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing through him and in him, Lord. And again, Lord, we, uh, church, that we just agree, let's speak increase over the ministry that you've put in this man's heart. Increase, Lord, a, a greater opportunity to bring your word, your life, your truth to the church and to all flesh as well, not just the church. I just pray for a supernatural, miraculous results to flow from this ministry, Lord, as he is turned up, Lord, with clarity from heaven to see into these days, Father, that signs and wonders would follow. Lord, blind eyes open, deaf ears, being able to hear. Lord, we pray for the miraculous signs and wonders to follow this man as grace and mercy follows him and pursues him every day, that there would be a signs and wonders on this ministry too. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, church, well, what we want to do, we're going to worship together as we... Have you enjoyed yourself this morning in the presence of the Lord? Isn't that good? Um, we're going to do a couple of things at the end. There's only one person in this room who's worse at announcements than me, and that is Kevin. And uh, he has the gift of... <laughs> so that's what I love. Yesterday, I'm, I'm rubbish at announcements, so you'll be more confused by the end of me doing them. So I'm going to leave them to the end, or just get Kevin to do them, because he probably knows as much as what I do. But what we want to do is we want to take communion together. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. So under your seats, you'll find some communion. Pen, could you help me out there? And uh, every, we, we take communion every week in this church, every time we gather. And uh, let me tell you why, because Jesus said, do this to remember. That's one thing. But we believe that there is a supernatural power release when you, when you remember the work of Jesus. You know, this is, a, this is something that we do to celebrate Jesus, You know, some people come to communion and they go, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I can't do this. You know, it's examine yourself, you know, all that stuff that we grew up with. And you know, when the Lord examines you today, he's, as as Larry said this morning, you know, it's like when he examines you, he examines you through the lens of Jesus' work and he declares you righteous this morning. He declares you holy this morning. He says that you have been perfected forever according to the in Hebrews and so what we do is we celebrate the work of Jesus we say thank you for your work this morning and you know when you take this uh this wee wafer thing in your hand the blood of uh, the body of Jesus believe in a moment as you eat 
and as you feast on the finished work that the Lord is healing your body because he was broken for you. He was beaten for you and he died on a cross for you so that every sickness, known and unknown, would be subject to his work. And so in faith this morning, let's eat and say, thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for me. I declare over my mind and over my body, I am fit and well and healthy. Every sickness has to go in Jesus' name. Where I have been sick, it's being restored to full, full health again. And I will live out my best days in fullness of health because of your work. Let's eat and say, thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, we take the cup as well. Lord, we've sung about your blood this morning. We've sung about um, what your blood does. Father, it makes us righteous. It says in the word that there's no, without the shedding of blood, there's no atonement. Father, but because your blood was poured out, we are white this morning. We can stand in your presence with full confidence because of your blood poured out. Perfected forever. Past, present, and future. All atoned for because of your sacrifice. Not our sacrifice, not our effort, not our best trying, but Jesus, simply you and your work. So Father, we drink today and we thank you that as we drink, we can remind ourselves that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That there is no longer anything written against us that can stand, Lord, because you say in your word, when you set us free, we are free indeed. Not sort of free, we are free indeed because of the blood. Amen. Isn't he good? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Church, let's join together in this last song of worship. We're going to lift our offering as we do that. You know, in, in this church, we say you'll never hear about money before you've heard about Jesus and his love for you. But our giving matters. Um, our giving matters for a number of reasons. It frees us from the anxiety of lack. You're, you're not called to live in lack. You're called to live over abundantly. Everything's supplied. In fact, the Lord's already made the supply for you. And so what we do is we show the Lord our love by giving and we show the Lord our trust by giving. And in that act, it's not, he doesn't need your money, but he wants your trust and he wants your heart because he wants to pour in so much, it says, that you won't even be able to uh, contain it. And so we don't want to live in fear and live in that spirit of fear and lack. But we want to say, Lord, thank you that you have blessed me with a purpose. Lord, I get to sow in to, you know, we're going to bless Larry and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So let, let's do that this morning. And as you sow, that's where your money's going to go. So, Father, we thank you for that. We don't live in fear. We thank you that in these days, I, th I thank you. I speak over you now. There is no cost of living crisis in heaven. Can I just say that? There is none. You are blessed. You are a blessed people. You are a holy nation. And there's, Lord, I thank you that we're not subject to the economy because you rule and reign over it all, Lord. I thank you, Father, that your people will, even back to Exodus, where it said, you will raise us up for this purpose so that people can see the glory and the power of God. And that means in everything, in how we live and in our finance and in our money, that we would be blessed and the world would see why are they blessed? Because it's about your goodness on our lives, Lord. So we believe that as we give. We believe that as we sow, Father, and we expect a good return, Lord, because that's what you said you would do. Amen.